Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, in which Craig Touch, myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the interesting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry we're in of writing and self-publishing. And self-publishing is not all we're talking about today. In fact, we're talking about how to make the decision between going one way or another. And to to make sure that we are giving you some valuable information about that, we have a very special guest. We are delighted to welcome to Fully Booked, Dr. Roger Leslie, who is an author, publisher, and editor. How are you doing today, Roger? Welcome, thanks. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Oh, well, we are delighted to have you. And of course, you wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great. Thank you, uh, Roland, and thank you for joining us, Roger. So, um, you know, it, this is a, it's a topic that we have um, sort of covered in the past, but usually how we cover it is we have an author on, often one that has gone the, the traditional publishing route, whereas most of our audience are self-publishers. And so often we're, we're sort of asking them about, you know, their personal reasons about why they went one way or the other, and they often have a story um, about that and some and some experiences that they had that that took them down that path. In fact, I think you know we just uh, did one um, I think last week uh, in terms of when this this will drop. Um, but what we want to talk about today, I think, which is um, you know is even more important to to authors is how to make that decision about which way is right for you. You know what factors go in to deciding if you should be. Um, a traditional published author or a self-published author or, or a hybrid author, right? And, and we can discuss even what that is. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit, uh, bit about yourself and what your, what your doctorate is in even, uh, and so, then we'll go from there. <laughs> great. So uh, I have been a writer since I was 13 years old. So I've spent decades in this industry. Uh, along the way, I was a teacher and librarian and professor and uh, I have, over the years, dabbled in different areas of publishing. And back when I first started writing, of course, the only legitimate way to publication was through traditional publishing. But over the years, entrepreneurial publishing, which is self-publishing, has gained its own credibility. And then in between those two extremes is hybrid publishing, which we can talk about a little bit today. So I started getting my books traditionally published. And then over time, I started seeing a pattern of certain kinds of books that I wanted to publish myself. So I started my own publishing house where I publish not only my books, but I publish other authors' books whose books fit in with my mission statement, which is to inspire people to live the life they dream and to empower them to follow their own unique spiritual path. So I've done a little bit of all of it, the traditional, the uh, entrepreneurial, and I am a hybrid publisher. And so the hybrid, let's talk about that. What is, so what does hybrid mean then? So on one extreme, there's the traditional publishing. And with traditional publishing, as your listeners may know, the author invests little or no money in the process of producing the book, but they also get 10% perhaps of the royalties, and that might be off the net, that might be off the gross, depending on how the contract is written. So authors, especially early on, very seldom see much income from those first books that get published traditionally. The other extreme is the entrepreneurial or self-publishing, and that's where the author invests all the money in the production of the book, 
and then reaps all the benefits. Well, in between those two is what's known as hybrid publishing. And in the hybrid publishing paradigm, the author and the publisher determine how they will balance who invests in the initial production of the book and the marketing and the production of the product, which is the book itself. And then how is the wealth that's gained from that distributed between the author and the publisher? And there's a whole spectrum of how that can work. For example, in my publishing house, Paradise Publishing, you know, it took me so many years to get traditionally published that when I finally got a foothold in the industry and I was making good progress and then I decided to open my own publishing house, one of my dreams was to make the journey for other authors easier. And so from my, in my paradigm for, the, for this hybrid publishing, I allow the author to invest wholly in the process and then get 100% of all royalties up to a certain amount of money. And then we start sharing beyond that. There are others that it's either 50-50 or some other ratio that works for the author and the publisher, depending on what they agree upon. And it depends completely on on what it is the writer is offering then. Yes, and what the publishing house wants to do. There are some uh, publishing houses that have a very ironclad, you know, this is a 50-50, you invest 50% in the production, we invest 50%, and then we split it that way. Or they may have, it could be any ratio that they want, um, but different publishers do it different ways. That's so interesting. And how do you go around finding people to work with? So as a publisher, you mean? Yeah. Or So I have a team of people, some of whom are on my staff at Paradise Publishing and others who are freelancers. So the more different books that I publish, the more different kind of artists I find who do the interior formatting or the cover design so that I know and I have a sense of which artist would fit best with which work. So it's a matter of having been in the industry for quite a long time, I have a team of people that I work with. So it's not like I have one editor and that one editor has to know how to do everything for every genre. Instead, I have a team of editors that I've worked with over the years and I have a sense of which editor might be the best fit for a particular book. So, I mean, I think that one of the things that, you know, people are sort of struggling with these days with traditional publishing it's changed so much. It used to be that they did everything for you. And now they pushed a lot of, of that back on to the publishers. A lot of times, you know, even if you get traditionally published, you have to do your own marketing, a lot of your own marketing and the, and the advances are less than they used to be. And, you know, the, the value that the traditional publishers are adding over the years just seems to be getting smaller and smaller. You know, it's almost to the point where, you know, what do they do for you? They can get you in bookstores. <laughs> I know that that's a plus, but that's one of the only things that ever that I that ever really comes to my mind directly, right? Um, obviously, there are other things they'll they'll often do the cover for you and they'll get your book edited and stuff. But you could do those things yourselves, and and often, you know, you you, you know, you, you're giving up some control too when you have to do that. Like, uh, which some authors want; they don't want to necessarily make all those decisions. But but other authors we've had where they've had a cover, they they were going to go, you know, with it, they were happy with it, they paid for it, and then they got a traditional deal, and then, the, you know, they don't usually want to use that cover, they want to make their own cover, and then they have to start again, and um, so, you know, I guess the question is then, you know, for a lot of authors is, you know, if you're going to be doing all that stuff yourself, why not just do it all yourself, and 
with the hybrid model, I guess, you know, you're allowing them to sort of pick and choose the parts that they're going to do. But what kind of things do a hybrid publisher, what can, can they do that the self-publisher generally can't or, or finds more difficult? Can you get them into uh, to traditional to bookstores? Or, or if not, like what else can you, does a hybrid offer, uh, publisher offer? So I can't speak for all of the hybrid publishers, but I know from my experience in my own company and many others that I'm familiar with, that yes, they are, the hybrid publishers offer most everything that a traditional publisher does in that they set up the distribution, they know how to upload all the files into Amazon and into Ingram so that you have general distribution because you need your books in Ingram in order to be distributed to bookstores. You can't just have it on Amazon if you want to also have your books available in bookstores and available to schools and libraries and so forth. There needs to be a distribution chain that is already set up. A a good hybrid publisher, like a traditional publisher, will know how to do that. The biggest concern that I think uh, new authors or aspiring authors might think about is in order to do the job well, you need to be well-connected with people who are professional and know what they're doing. Many self-published authors don't have that background experience, and they either need to take the time and money to learn it so that they put together a really stellar product that's worth reading, or they just do go the old route like self-publishing where they put together something and it's you know, mediocre to average at best, but the quality of the the print is not there. The cover design, which needs to look a certain way for each genre, they may not have that background information. So what you're really gaining is just a wealth of information and a wealth of, of connectedness in the industry that a, a traditional or hybrid publisher can offer you that takes a long time and a lot of money to learn to do well. There are the, One of the biggest challenges of the industry over the last, say, two decades is self-publishing and entrepreneurial publishing have really enabled so many people to independently put out a product, but that product now, the level of excellence that that product can be depended on to always have was lowered tremendously because there are so many people who put out less than stellar products because they didn't know better. Not that they didn't intend to have something great, but they really didn't know. So they wanted a book out and they just did what they knew to do at the time. The tools are better now. The opportunities are better now. They're more affordable now because the technology has advanced as well. So there are so many great opportunities in any one of those three avenues for authors to consider depending on what they want to do and what they want their career to be. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, these are, these are, these are good points because these are things that we've talked about in the past. We talk about a lot on blog and the podcast and stuff is, you know, learning how to do these things yourself are absolutely available to you. There's all, there's a wealth of information out there, but not everyone, you know, has the time, has the inclination to learn it all, you know, has the ability, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, I, I know how, I can look at a cover and tell you if it's, if it's a good cover for the genre, I couldn't create it. You know, I'm not a cover designer. Um, so, you know, just because someone, 
you know, I, I know I have the skill. Like I know how to open up Photoshop and, and download uh, uh, images from, from the stock sites and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean I should ever attempt to do it myself. And, you know, knowing your own limitations is often, um, you know, really important. And we've, we've talked about this before as well, is that, you know, you can be really good at marketing, but you still need a product that people want to buy. And if you can't put together that product on your own, you have to, you know, understand that limitation and then go look for someone who can. And so it's always that sort of like, you know, time versus money or, you know, just the, the, the value of, of knowing your limitations. So I, I, I totally get that as your um, as the model and plus hybrid, I guess. The other probably advantage that you have over traditional, I assume, is the lack of massive delay between getting the book and, and publishing it, right? Because that's always one of the biggest issues. Yes, yes, that is a big factor. And I do want to warn your listeners ahead of time, there are many companies out there that look from their website to be very professional, and they're very expensive, and Technically, they do everything they say they're going to do, but they don't necessarily end up giving you the results that you want. Now, I've worked with many authors over the years as a writing coach, and you know, I speak all over the country uh, to writers groups everywhere, and I get more stories about, wow, I spent X number of dollars for this company who said they would do this and this and this. And well, technically, they did do what they said they were going to do but it ended up costing them tens of thousands of dollars and nothing came of it. You know, none, none of the results that they were looking for came of it. So I do want to warn aspiring authors or, or authors who are going independent. If they decide to go with a company that can offer the marketing or the social media openings or whatever it is they're looking for, do your homework, do the research, talk to other authors who've worked with them and see, are they offering what, there, you know, are you going to get your money's worth from what they're offering? Because there are some really fame, even famous companies that people would recognize the name of if they're in the industry long enough. They take your money quickly, and as you've pro- if you've explored it at all, you know that in the website, you know, it's like you can get this package for X number of dollars, and then you say, oh, okay, I'm interested in that, and then they take you to the next screen. But if you just upgrade to this level, then we'll do this and this for you. And if you upgrade to this level, and then suddenly this several hundred dollar possibility turns into several thousand dollars, and enthusiastically, some authors think, okay, I'm going to, I believe in this, I'm going to go for it 100% do it all. And then they tie themselves financially to a company that doesn't deliver what they promise in exactly the way it seems to appear on their website. Yeah, there are, that's that's always the challenge. There are so many business, you know, they don't promise results because you can't promise results, but, you know, they're happy to take your money. Yes. Yeah. And we've, we've had the same experience. We've talked to a lot of authors over the years. They come to me and they say, oh, I spent all this money doing this and this and this. I'm like, oh, man, I should talk to me before you spent all that money because... Yeah. Uh, and, but the, the problem is that it's very hard to uh, for an author, especially an inexperienced one, to tell the difference between like a legit site. Like you said, some of them are big names and, you know, a less than legit one. Typically, you know, I would say you don't I personally don't think you should have to really lay out any money to the publisher to publish your book. There may be costs that you share um, and there may be, you know, things that you're agreeing to do 
and they're especially with the hybrid model and versus not otherwise it's it's more like the vanity publishing model that you know we grew up with where you know before self-publishing that's how you did it you paid somebody and they they produce your book for you and and you'd have a whole stack of them in your garage <laughs> you know you can give to your friends and family but um but yeah i think that that's one of the biggest issues and i think like you said talking to people getting um not references, I would say, not references from the company to go call because they're going to give you, you know, even if it's not like their friends, they're going to give you like the best, most successful people to call. But look into people that have been published by that company and reach out to them yourself directly and and ask them because, you know, authors are going to tell you, especially if they've had a bad experience, they're going to share that with an author that comes along and asks them. Yes. And the companies that I was referring to in my description are not necessarily publishers. There are companies who are like marketing companies who say, we'll do this for you and we'll do this. And, you know, technically, yes, they can put a post that could potentially reach 10,000 or 100,000 people. So, yes, they promise to do that and it could reach that. But there needs to be some variable in there that you can monitor. Did this work? You know, okay, so you send it out to 100,000 people. How do I know that they read it? How do I know they saw it? How do I know if they didn't buy my book, what about that ad didn't work? So there needs to be some sort of test marketing in there, inherent in what they're offering, so that you can determine what is the best marketing plan? Because there are so many different ways to do it now. You know, there are Amazon ads, there are social media ads, there's, there are public speaking venues, there are circuits in public libraries and school libraries. There are innumerable ways to market your book. And as one of my publishers said, which was very helpful, he said, you know, Roger said, I could go all over the world talking about your book. Nobody wants to meet the publisher. Everybody wants to meet the author. And so it is part of the job. You know, I know ideally, even I as an author love my time writing more than anything else. But I understand that if I want to be a published successful author, part of my work time has to be dedicated to getting out in public, marketing the book, sharing information about the book, sharing my ideas, doing interviews like I'm doing today. That's part of the process. And for many of those tasks, there is no payment. You know, you're doing this on your own. You go visit a library. A school library may have a, a budget, may not. But if you want to go visit a school library, if that's a good place for your book, then what you're doing is getting your name out there, letting people know about who you are and what you have to offer. And in the long run, that can be lucrative, but not initially. Yeah. And I mean, that was that's another sort of place where you know the traditional publishers they would often set up those like book signings and all that stuff and and i'm hearing more and more these days where even that they kind of expect that the author will go and set those up themselves and you know i just you know their value is it's just falling and falling and falling and you know there there's not a lot that they're using that they're replacing it with um, but I agree, like if getting your name out there, the name recognition, especially if you have, you know, number of books, like it's not, you know, it becomes more and more important as you grow as an author, because then you have a lot of different entry points. You know, once you get out there and you have that initial investment of time and, and maybe some money to to go and do all these like signings and stuff for that one book that you just put out maybe it's harder to recoup the loss, but what, to recoup the cost. But once you have a whole wealth of books, then somebody goes and reads it and likes you and likes a book, then they go and they buy your older books. And then 
your your chances of making more money are, are greatly increased. Yes. Yeah. So okay, so now that we understand all of maybe all of how uh, the three different sort of things work, what are the factors that um, that people should be authors should be considering when they are thinking about which route to, to take? So with traditional publishing, there are actually different levels of traditional publishing. There are the big publishing houses, which have the great credibility. The advantage of being with a big publishing house is that their impact is strong and it is widespread. So if you get connected to one of the big publishing houses, then you are suddenly connected with the other authors in that publishing house who are doing very well. The downside is, of course, their marketing money for that publishing house goes to those big names because those big name authors are the ones who generate most of their income. But you're connected with them and you know that the quality of your product will be outstanding because that's what they're in the business to do. So it's, there's great credibility to do that. Um, one element of that is that most, most of the time you'll need an agent. And the process of finding an agent is very similar to finding a publisher and is often very time consuming. But an agent, of course, will be the one who has the personal connections to these large publishing houses who can get you in. On another level, there are small and medium presses that can be very helpful as well. If you are an author and you're just starting out or you only have a book or two out and you want to go the traditional publishing route, finding small or medium-sized presses can be a great way to get your foot in the door and start getting published. I have some of my books uh, from a while back were published by small presses or medium presses. And the advantage with working with them is the relationship you develop with your publisher and your acquisition editor is much more... Uh, mutual and dynamic than it can be at a big publishing house because at the big publishing houses, they're dealing with so many people and they've got so many different departments with a small publisher or a media, at a medium press, you know, at least from my experience, I worked one-on-one -on -one with some of my editors and some of my publishers where we sat down over lunch and talked about different things concerning the novel. And they, they asked for my input as far as the cover design and what did I think was, was a good element. And of course, they had their expertise because each book from each genre has to look like it fits in that genre. People need to recognize it immediately. And so they're the ones who have that expertise, but working one-on-one -on -one a little more closely with a small press or medium press publisher can be very helpful. And what I found in my experience is that the budget that these small presses and medium presses have may not be as impressive as the large publishing houses, but they're willing to spend more on new authors in order to establish that relationship and help you build your platform. So, you know, I worked with like, um, when I got some of my movie reference books published uh, through one of the large publishing houses, McFarland, they were very helpful. They were great. I loved working with them. But when I said, what kind of marketing budget do we have? You know, I, I travel the country doing keynote speeches about movies. I'm very well known in this area. I'm going to be traveling the country promoting either film stars and their awards or my second book, Oscar's Favorite Actors. I said, can you help me with the travel expenses? They said, no. They said, most of our marketing goes into our catalog and our catalog goes to hundreds of thousands of, of, of businesses and libraries. And I said, well, can you at least create flyers and posters for me? 
They said, no, if you get somebody to design them, we'll be willing to print them for you. We'll pay you that much, but that's all we're able to do. Now, on the other hand, with some of my small press and medium press publishers, they designed the posters. They helped me you know, plan my author tour. They worked with me one-on-one and paid for a lot of the expenses that I had. When I won some national awards for some of those books, the publisher paid for me to go to New York with him and paid for the hotels and and you know, I got the awards and everything, but he paid for all that. And not, there wasn't a penny that came out of my pocket to do any of that. So the advantage of the smaller presses is that you do get more personal attention and they are looking to build, help build you up to, so that you have a good platform that people identify with. They can do that better than the large publishing houses will, at least initially. Absolutely, because they want to find those authors who will help them become big publishing houses. Yes, right. And then they're also probably, you know, they don't have as many authors, so their budgets are maybe not spread as thin as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's great. If So what do you consider, I don't know if we would even recognize the names, but how would you consider something as a small or medium-sized press? Like what um, sort of factors go into that distinguishing? Uh, how many books they publish per year, how many different authors they have in their catalog already, um, there, there are many small publisher publishing houses that are just starting out themselves. And so they're learning their part of the business just as you're learning your part of the business. Medium presses usually have good connections with distributors. For example, uh, I was a li- uh, high school librarian for many years, and there's a company called Follett, which we ordered all of our books through Follett. And I was able to work because I went to the library conferences and, you know, a lot of these publishers were there. I was able to connect my publisher for for my uh, Success Express for Teens and Teach Me Success books. I actually connected my publisher to the representative from Follett and were able to get his books in the Follett. So that that was huge because many librarians order their books exclusively through a company like Follett, which is known as a jobber. And uh, so there's a distributor like Ingram or Ingram Spark, which is which goes to bookstores. There are jobbers like Follett, which would go to libraries. These are all different tangents of the industry that if you have someone that you're connected with who knows about those and can get you in, makes a huge difference on the impact and the scope of the impact that you can make as an author. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because that's easier for them to, you know, order everything from one one source rather than lots of different sources. Yes. And all librarians have to justify their purchases. You know, we, I would have to have a justification for every book that I put into my library. So if my administrator ever came back and said, why is this book in the library? Why did you order this one? Um, I would have to have a justification. One of the best justifications is a legitimate review. And this seems to be something that many current authors are not aware of. But legitimate reviews come from review sources like Booklist and Library Journal and School Library Journal. When people say, oh, let's get some reviews, they often just exchange books with other authors and say, okay, would you write a review on Amazon and say really nice things about the book? Well, for the inexperienced eye, that may look okay. But people who are in the industry or who know who are in an industry related to books like a librarian, they need something more concrete. They need something more legitimate than just somebody they never heard of saying, oh, this is a wonderful book. I think you should order it. Book list, library journal, school library journal. Those are the kind of journals that you want to be in. And I, I was a reviewer for book list for several years. 
those review journals need copies of your galleys or your pre-publication book six months before the book comes out because they want their review published concurrently with when your book comes out. So there are so many pre-publication activities that you can capitalize on that if you're self-publishing, how would you know that? There would be no way for you to be aware of that, which is another advantage for working with a traditional or hybrid publisher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a different um, mindset or there's a different um, use for, for the different sorts of reviews. I think, you know, with the self-publishers uh, who are often not even trying to get into libraries and bookstores, you know, having reviews. Um, now, I wouldn't suggest trading them with your friends because that is against Amazon's policies and can get you in trouble. But but just in general, sending them out, sending our copies out to your, to your list through a service like ours or anywhere else, you know, those are going to give you those Amazon reviews that readers who come directly looking, they use those. And that's the social proof that they often look at. Right. And, you know, but, but those other reviews are often the ones that I think people put into the editorial review section of their product page when they get those to, to sort of highlight that they are specifically from, you know, these bigger things. Uh, not, not all of them sort of add that, but, uh, but, you know, having those, uh, it's good to point out that they have a different value and, a, and provide a different benefit than just the more traditional reviews. So that's a good point. Yes. Um, okay. So that, that covers, you know, those two. So then hybrid who, you know, and we sort of talked a little bit about this, but who, who would be, you know, who would benefit from the hybrid model more? Someone who wants more creative control, but also wants to connect with somebody who is well-versed in the industry and can lead them and connect them to the right people for their book. So it gives you a lot of the independence of being an entrepreneurial author because you get to be part of that decision. But it also gives you a whole team of people that you're working with indirectly usually because like when my authors work with me, they work with me directly or they work with one of my editors who is like the acquisition editor who will work and, and do the proofreading with them and everything. But um, they get to, they are, they come into the inner circle of the industry in a way that they wouldn't otherwise as an entrepreneurial or self-published author. So they, they get the credibility if they're connected with the right publisher and they have really professional people who know what they're doing and are doing it well so that your, your product comes out as something attractive and dynamic and useful to readers. And it gets distributed in such a way that it reaches the people who need to find it. You know, part of what I offer in my publishing house is also uh, a choice of marketing plans. So there's a marketing team or a marketing group that they work with. And there's also a publicist. So like, for example, this speaking gig that I have now, this interview I'm doing right now came through my publicist. My publicist is connected with you and he contacted me and said, this is what this, this uh, show is about. Do you have anything that you can offer? And that's when I started the communication with you. I don't know your policies of how you connect with people, but I think with many social media people, just like many publishers, it's very difficult to just randomly email people and say, hey, I've got this book or I've got this idea. Would you be interested? You need some sort of filter to let you, you know 
that I'm a legitimate author and you're a legitimate podcaster. And we, we're looking for a level of quality and excellence that you don't just get by just saying, Hey, I wrote a book that last week, you know, can you get, can I get on your show? That's the difference. And that's what a pub, that's what a hybrid publisher can offer. Right. Yeah. Your publicist, Mickey, he, he was actually on our show. Uh, we had him in on one of the, uh, the earlier episodes and yeah, it's been a great relationship because he can do exactly what you, you say, He's, you know, he'll send me, um, or he'll, he'll, uh, talk to you, the author directly and, and sort of let them know that if they have something they want to pitch, then they can send me an email and then, you know, we have some back and forth and decide whether or not, you know, your topic is right for the audience. And then, yeah, we, we bring it on and that's a lot easier than, you know, like, I mean, you know, we, I have in my newsletter of, of authors that have worked with us in the past, we have about, you know, 5,000 authors. So I use that as a source as well, you know, to get authors and then, you know, word of mouth and, you know, people do cold uh, call us and that's fine, but, there always has to be that pitch. They always have to sort of give me an idea. I don't want to, we're not going to have somebody just come on and talk about the book because it's not a reader focused podcast. It's an author focused podcast. And unless they're writing a book about writing, you know, that it's not great to come on and say, Hey, I wrote a romance book. Let me tell you about it. That's not, you know, going to interest most of our authors. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think that there is a lot of value in that. And, and again, getting yourself known even though you're coming on to our podcast, which is an author focused podcast. So, you know, the likelihood of them, if yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're a hybrid publisher, so you might have more reason than say a regular author um, in terms of, you know, maybe somebody watching this might contact you to, to talk about your thing, but with an author in general, they are not going to necessarily have that, you know, the, the, people watching this aren't necessarily going to go buy their book, but what it does is it creates those connections, which are so important in this industry of knowing, getting yourself known even to other authors, because there's often very great ways that, um, that authors uh, network together. You know, they put together, a, they get together to, to create a, um, you know, a, a, a an author was telling us about this before I forget a book club or something where, you know, they got a whole bunch of authors together that write in the same genre. And then every month they send the book to their combined lists of readers. And like, there's all sorts of different marketing things that you can do. Um, but it really, really helps when you know people in the industry and, you know, you watch a podcast that ha- talks to an author, not necessarily gets you to know them on a personal level, but it gets you to know about them. And then you can go ahead and contact them if you need to, if you thought that there were some synergies that you had. So that, that really makes a lot of sense, I think. Yes. And, and on that same note, I think that's a great idea, Craig. And another recommendation I would have for authors is to attend writing conferences as often as you can, no matter how experienced you are. Uh, I seldom attend them now as a, as an attendee. I attend them as a speaker or for example, there's a, an author Palooza coming up in October. And one of the other publisher friends of mine asked me if I would be one of the judges for their short story contest. And I didn't get paid for it, but in, as a thank you for that, she's giving me a table to set up in person so that I could display the books and everything. So those kinds of connections can be so valuable to an author. Because remember, you may end up having several books throughout your career, but really what you're promoting and what you're creating in the minds of of your followers is a platform. Like, what do you stand for? And so when I talk about my mission statement for myself as a writer and as a publisher to inspire people to live the life they dream, 
and to empower them to follow their own spiritual path. That's a really clear mission statement. So, you know, there I've had other people send me books like political books. I got one just last week that someone, it was a very inspiring book, but it was very politically uh, divisive. And I wrote the person back and I said, you know, I think your writing is excellent. I do think you'll find a publisher. I think it is excellent, but that's not the kind of book that my publishing house publishes. So when you make your platform known, when you know why you're writing and what you are writing about, uh, you know, and I, t- I tell my coaching clients, you know, come up with a good verb. What is it that you want to do? You know, if you're a horror writer, do you want to terrify your readers? Do you want to excite? Do you want to tantalize? Do you want to, you know, scare them out of their wits? You know, decide what it is you want and then make your writing do that and then promote that idea because, you know, a book is a block of paper. But if you can suggest this book is going to tantalize or this book will inspire or this book will inform then that's something concrete that people will say, oh, yeah, I wanted to be more informed about that. Or, yeah, I want, I want to be scared to death reading this book. Let me order this as opposed to just, well, I've got this title of a book that might be interesting. That's part of the platform. And a great way to do that is networking. And a great place to network is through writing conferences. Some are still done in person. Many of them are done virtually now. So you could sit in your living room or in your office and, and attend the whole thing over your laptop. Yeah, for sure. We've had uh, we've had a couple people on that run some conferences, and they uh, often, you know, like you said, they well, definitely during COVID, they all sort of went virtual, and some of them have just sort of stayed that way, or they've gone to a hybrid model where you know you can do either. You can go in person, and often they've made it a little smaller for the in person gathering, but then they'll also have an option to attend virtually or to see the recordings or whatever it is. So yeah, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great way. I mean, I've done a couple myself. I don't. I'm not a I mean, I don't love public speaking myself. I don't mind it on a podcast, but, you know, standing in front of a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, it's something that I should do more of, but I, you know, it's one of those mental things. Uh, usually if I want to do one, it'll have to be in Vegas because I like to go to Vegas. But other than that, <laughs> uh, so then that brings us to the last one, then is self-publishing, which, I mean, our audience knows the most about, but, uh, you know, I guess, uh, that is basically for the people that just are comfortable doing everything themselves, right? It depends on your purpose. Like, as you said, you know, if you just want to create a book that you order copies of so that your kids and grandkids can see, oh, wow, he wrote a book at some point in his life. Isn't that great? Then self-publishing is definitely a, an easy way to go that the quality of it has gotten so much better. You know, the print-on-demand has gotten such so much better quality than it was even five years ago. So if that's your intention, that's fine. Uh, for many people, they don't want to be full-time authors, but they want to use their book as a calling card. Like if you're famous in business or you have a business and you want to teach other people how to do that and you want to be known for that, then definitely write a book because you know the philosophy is you can do something for a living and be, be educated. But if you write a book about what you do, then you're suddenly an expert and people want to hire you to go speak or to go visit, do something like that. So there are some business people and you know there are many business people who actually get a ghostwriter to write the book for them. They say, here are these ideas. Here's how I want to put it into a book. Now you, you write it. So it, look, it sounds interesting and, and fascinating. And you know they, they pay big bucks for that. But then they get credit and then they've got this calling card, which is a book. So if, you know, there are as many different reasons to write a book as there are books. So once you know what your reason is, if you want to be, you know, a really 
powerful author and you want to make a living being an author, then there are certain rules and guidelines you should follow to be the best in your genre and the best at what you do. If your aspirations are not necessarily in the writing field, but you just want to have a book to say you wrote a book or to use it for some other business purpose, you could do that very easily through self-publishing. And that's perfectly fine. Well, I mean, to be fair, a lot of authors are earning a very good living being self-published and have never done anything other than self-published, right? But as you said, you have to you know, the ones that are super successful are the ones that are paying attention to all those details that are making sure that their covers are on point, hiring a professional designer that understands their genre and doesn't, isn't just a graphic designer that can make you a cover. Like they have to understand, like I've seen beautiful covers. People, you know, consulted with me and said, you know, I have this beautiful cover that this this graphic designer did for me and I don't understand why it's not selling. And I look at it and it's like, yeah, it is a beautiful cover, but it's horribly wrong for your genre. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it's terrible for your genre. Yes. It's, or it's just not a, it's not a, it's not a cover, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a beautiful picture, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> like they have to understand that. And often, you know, even if you don't understand that, as long as you hire a cover designer that does, uh, then, you know, that's, that's fine. But, um, you know, and to get it professionally edited, and a lot of people don't do that. They'll, you know, have their friend edited or whatever. And then, you know, it's full of errors. And, and people see that people judge that they think of it as a bad, like a, you know, a self published book, which, you know, even though, you know, uh, we're at the point where, that shouldn't be a dirty word. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Sometimes people sort of say that as like, oh, it's self-published. And the, and the reason why it's taking so long to sort of get out of that mindset is there are uh, there are always a lot of people that choose to not pay attention to those things and sort of bring everything down by by putting out poor quality products that everyone then associates as self-published, which means all self-published books are of lower value, which isn't the case. And there's many, many examples of people that made very good livings. Roland and I both made really good livings writing romance novels. But, you know, uh, you know, it was all self-published, but but we knew our limitations. We hired editors, we hired cover designers. I, you know, he's a good cover designer, I'm not. Uh, you know, we, we learned how to market uh, or we asked people, you know, we, we joined a lot of online conferences, but you have to put in that time. It took a lot of, a lot of time. It wasn't our first books that were successful. So, you know, we both talked about that. It was many books in after we'd learned everything that we started to see the success and not everyone has the patience for that. And a lot of people want to be more successful right from the get go. And unless you've done all your homework up front, you know, that's hard unless you go with somebody who knows what they're doing, like a hybrid or, or a uh, traditional publisher. And yes. it depends on the genre. Uh, it's like we did okay in romance. You know, romance is dominated by self-published authors who have done the research to write completely on-point books, amazing covers that look uh, co congruent with all of the other books up there, you know, top-notch editing. They produce something that's better than traditional publishers would. But romance is an easier market to do that because romance readers will try out a new author in the way that, like, you know, thriller write, thriller authors, and, uh, you know, have a, a following. You know, I read Clive Cussler. I read Lee, read Lee Child. I'm not really going to pick a new author unless someone I know recommends him. Yes. And what you both shared really 
I think addresses it beautifully. It takes time and energy and focus. So if your dream is to write as much as you can and spend as much time writing and perfecting the craft and art of writing, then self-publishing might not be the best avenue for you because to do it well, it takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a great deal of time. And in some cases, it takes money. You know, there are certain programs that you can watch online, which are wonderful, but they cost several hundred dollars to, to get the whole program and absolutely worth it. I've done several of them and I find them, you know, every time I learn something, you know, do another one. I learned something I hadn't thought of before because the industry changes so fast. You know, things have been just evolving so quickly in this industry. But that's to me, that's the major factor. How do you want to spend your time and energy? If your dream is to write as much as possible and be a prolific author, then perhaps having to take all the time to learn how to market, how to how to create your platform, how to post on social media, do it regularly, have your email following, all that's part of it. You know, that can be fun and uh, you could you can really enjoy the process. It can be like being in, you know, in, in an amusement park. It's just like, wow, and I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And, uh, but if that's not what you're, where your energy, where you want your energy to go, then you might consider another option because self-publishing does require learning the industry. You must learn it to do it well. Yeah. And I mean, that is something we hear from a lot of authors as well is they, you know, they don't want to be a marketer. They don't want to spend all their time on social media. They don't want to learn all these things. They just want to write their book. Right. And for those people, it could be that, you know, self-publishing isn't the best option. I mean, there are costs, like you said, but not just on in the learning, because there is a lot of free material out there you can use to learn. But just the co- the fixed cost of getting a professional cover designer you know, to do your book cover can be hundreds of dollars and getting an editor can be thousands of dollars. Like it, it, it will cost you a lot of money. And and often if you don't have that upfront, especially if it's your first or second book, you know, a traditional or, you know, the small presses and maybe even the hybrids can help offset some of those costs or take some of them off of your plate completely. Yes. For, yes. for, a, for a price of, you know, taking some of your profits as well, obviously. And and on that same note, I just want to reinforce the first thing that an author should do after finishing a book is find a professional editor to do a developmental edit on it or a line edit on it or both and make sure the book is in good enough shape to send out or to publish. That's the very first step before you do anything with a publisher. Always get the book professionally edited by someone who knows your genre and knows what should be in that book because you need an objective eye. It doesn't matter how successful you are, how experienced you are, how many books you've written. You always need a professional eye to look at the book because that editor can see things that you won't notice because the ideas are in your head. And even when you read it back, you're often reading what you meant, not necessarily what shows on the page. Number one, top priority, find a professional editor to do a developmental edit and a line edit for your manuscript. Even editors that write, hire someone else to edit. That, that's that's my case exactly. I just yep. received feedback from my latest novel from my editor. And I would hope that most authors know this, but there's a huge difference between an editor and a proofreader. Many inexperienced readers assume that editing is simply proofreading the final draft. 
that comes way later in the process. You want an editor to give you a developmental edit, which can take it. That editor will take an aerial view of the work and see how is the pacing? What is the narrative voice like? Do you stay strong throughout? You know, do you set up the, the conflict well? Do you make your point if it's nonfiction? Do you have things well organized? Is there depth and breadth to your argument? A good editor will know how to look for all of that and give you helpful, constructive feedback to make sure if it's not there, you know that you know you need to put it in. That's very, very true. You know, unfortunately, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to wrap this up. But that's kind of a good place to to wrap it up. I mean, it is a case of, you know, publishing is whether you go traditional or whether you self-publish, it's a business. And so these are decisions you have to make and they're business decisions. And the goal for everyone is to, to do the best we can. We want the best books we can possibly create, and publishers want to put out the best books we can possibly produce. So if everyone has excellence on their mind, this is a great opportunity for us all to do better and to help each other along that route. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, now we have to wrap things up, unfortunately. But, Roger, where can people find out more about you and more about your, your publishing house and everything like that? So everything is on my website. It's my name, Roger, R-O-G-E-R-L-E-S-L-I-E, rogerlesley.com. They can go there. Everything's there. There's a, there are pages for my classes, my books, my publishing house. It's all there. They can start there. Fantastic. And we'll obviously put a link down there uh, in the description. Craig, before we wrap things up, do you have any final words? Well, you know, just really, I want to thank Roger for coming on. This has been uh, extremely helpful, I think, to to really break down what every level of uh, every option is for authors and what they specifically will do for you, because that is something that um, is top of mind, I think, for a lot of people that are sort of getting into it and trying to say like, oh, maybe I should just do it all myself. And for a lot of people, that makes a lot of sense. But if that's not the kind of person, if you're not interested in all that other stuff or have the time and expense to spend on all that other stuff, at, at least at first, you might want to consider other routes. Um, and you can always later change your mind, right? You're not locked in. I mean, unless you sign some massive like multi-book deal or something, you're generally not going to be locked in forever. You can always change your mind later if you decide that something, that the decision you made is, is either not right for you uh, at all, or, you know, you've, you've grown past what they can do for you. Absolutely. Well, Roger, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you are listening to this on as a podcast or watching it on YouTube, make sure you give Roger some, uh, some love by leaving a comment down below. Let us know what he said that you thought was meaningful. And while you're down there, make sure you hit that subscribe button, little bell notification, so you can make sure you get an update every time there's a new episode of Fully Booked. Speaking of which, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. So until then, thank you very much for supporting us. Bye-bye.